a glorious doink it was to get into the NFL playoffs. The Titans over the Texans in dramatic fashion. Welcome in the Game Day Podcast, Adam Kramer and Marcus Mosier. Marcus, have you ever seen a team gain access to the playoffs by getting their doink on on a field goal attempt? <laughs> no, it was absolutely hilarious. There's no reason at all the Titans should have even been that close in that game. The Texans had <laughs> no. nothing to play for. Uh, and yet they had to make it come down to this last kick, and it was glorious. It was just fantastic. What a great week 17. Oh, it really was. And and a perfect uh, precursor for what is a unique playoff weekend. We got extra games, uh, and, and I'm really excited. We'll talk about our picks later on. We're going to have Cam Lynch on, uh, former NFL linebacker, to talk about some playoff dark horses. We'll talk about some quarterback carousel. We'll also talk about maybe some teams outside the playoff that we think have a bright future. And Marcus, I know you already think that's the New York Jets. You don't have to disagree or <laughs> sure, agree. Exactly. It's fine. You're reading my mind. Yeah. And, uh, and also talk a little bit about Urban Meyer. I, I can't wait to talk about this, the fact that he's in the news. You and I uh, will discuss that here momentarily, a little bit about what we think Urban could do in the NFL. Looking forward to that. Uh, reminder, check out the pod wherever you get your pod uh, podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Share it. Comment on the debate. Comment on the discussions. I'm, I'm looking forward to what people have to say about Urban Meyer uh, because I think there'll be some strong enough takes on this podcast to hold it down. So uh, let's see how we did previous week. Marcus, meh, two and three uh, for each of us. Uh, so 25 and 18 for me, 28 and 25 for you. So still going strong. As you look at last week and you look at the week that was, anything jump out to you? No, not too much. I mean, week 17 is always a crazy week with, you know, teams resting guys. We don't always know the motivation for every team. So two and three feels about right for a week 17. But we're looking to get back on track here in the wild card. I'm just letting you know, Adam, typically wild card divisional round is where I, you know, I oh. excel. So get ready. Okay. Oh, wow. A little hype train. I didn't, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it up. we go like, what, there's six games this weekend. I would say five and one would be our worst. Yeah, we got our okay. Well, I am excited. I'm hoping that you and I have some um, some some symmetry here to get the big parlay ready because we have to win one of yeah. those at some point before the season's end. Um, look, my big takeaway is last week was a mess. Um, I think it was more the most indecision that we've probably had, and I don't mean that as a knock at you or I. Like you had quarterbacks that may or may not have played mm. you had uh, teams motivation it, it felt like you were trying to handicap like a bunch of bowl games yeah and yeah. and like i wanted to get your thoughts at least on the Eagles situation and and as you're watching this game and you see nate said said like that was one of the most iconic moments of our season and it was i say that it with like dumpster fire overtones so what are your your quick snapshot thoughts on what the eagles did and just how that whole thing transpired on sunday yeah night? so a franchise's goal is to win the super bowl right and every move that you make needs to be with that goal in mind we know that typically in the draft the higher up you draft the better the players are so i have no problem at all with the eagles basically saying hey we don't need to win this game. We don't need to let the Giants into the playoffs. Let's do what's best for our franchise long-term, and that's keeping a top-six pick. And let's put Nate Sudfield out there. And, hey, if he wins the game and looks fantastic, that's great for us. It builds his trade value. But we know what's going to happen most likely, and it played out. I mean, I get it. I, I, I want to win Super Bowls. I want to do everything possible to, to help my franchise going into 2021. I don't understand why everybody had such a big deal with it. Now, having said that, it's, having said that, 
if that was the Cowboys that were rooting for the Eagles to win that game, I'm sure I would have had a different opinion on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just felt gross, but you're totally right. Like, that's the system. Do you think Mike Glennon should have been starting for the Jags? And I'm no, not, oh no, I'm no. totally bitter about this as a Jets fan. I'm like, I see Glennon suiting up, and it's like, well, that's it. Like, that's it. With like the Jets are not gonna get Trevor Lawrence, and that's been my whole motivation well why can't we and that's say, why can't we be mad at the Steelers for doing basically the exact same thing right because if they would have this... played Ben Roethlisberger and all their guys they probably beat Cleveland in week 17 that knocks out Cleveland but I think the reason why Pittsburgh didn't do that is because if they win that game all of a sudden you're playing the Ravens or the Colts in round one yes and I, I don't know how you feel about the Browns, Adam, but I feel like those two teams are significantly better than Cleveland. So I, I guess I don't understand the outrage for the Eagles for tanking, but not for the Steelers. I think it. I think the outrage is it happened on like the last game in the biggest spot Sunday Night Football in a, yep. in, a, in in a grotesque division, and the Giants. You know the social media people tweeting about it. Like it was great. Oh, it was, it was, it was great about either. as much fun. Yeah. As I, as I had watching and consuming an NFL game all year because, and it's smart. So I'm kind of with you. Uh, it was gross. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm members of the Eagles, like if I'm a, if I'm Miles Sanders, who spoke up, I'm probably mad, um, get over it. but I get it. Like it's a good organizational move. Yeah. And now you can go draft Devonta Smith, which you maybe wouldn't have done before, right? Go get a Heisman winner or something of that sort. So I think it is the right move. Now uh, the Eagles will not be playing for the Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about dark horses here in a little bit, but let's first talk a little bit about um, favorites, right? Some of the chalks, some of the odds. So here they are, Chiefs plus 225, Packers plus 450, Bills plus 700, Saints plus 750. What jumps out there, Marcus? Because I got to admit, man, the Bills are looking juicy and juicier, and I know there's a big old bandwagon of shirtless Bills fans ready to jump through a table, and I think I'm okay with that. So what jumps out of those odds? Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's interesting because they played so well in the second half of the season, but I just think their path to get to a Super Bowl is going to be really difficult. This is a team that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience, right? Josh Allen has played in exactly one playoff game. You know, they're going to play a really good Colts team this week. If they win that one, they could play Pittsburgh, and then it might be Kansas City. So I think they're really good. I just think that path is too hard. But for me, it's Kansas City, Adam, because this team was one fourth quarter away from going 16-0. and I mean, I know they lost to the Chargers in Week 17, but if they just beat the Raiders in that one weird game, they're 16-0. and I just think there's a little bit of – Hey, some fatigue with Kansas City because we saw them win the Super Bowl last year. They had some games at the end of the season that weren't great, but they still won. I think they have to be considered the favorites. We know how valuable that first round bye is. Andy Reid is so good when he has a bye week to get ready for you know an opponent. I think the schedule is going to work out for them. So I still really like Kansas City as the favorite. I'm still, I'm curious. I mean, they've been so bad for betters uh, in the second half of the year. And, and yet I don't want to read too much into that because I think frankly, like they you were said, on cruise control, like this, right? I mean, they knew yeah, it. totally. They, they, and, and understandably. So I, and I think that's fine. I still make, take a stab at the bills. And if you are in need of a head of an uh, NFL head coach, I imagine Brian Dable mm-hmm. is going to get himself a job and I would love to see him. I think I've mentioned this here before. Uh, if you're San Diego, that's got to be really appealing really appealing, I, I guess for both sides, potentially. Right. So I'm going to ride the bills, get some value there. I'm with you on the path. Um, 
but it'll be very interesting to see. And ultimately, Marcus, I think those two things are those two uh, are probably going to end up playing each other. And if they are, I think they'll be a heck. Yeah, of a don't game forget about the Cole Beasley injury because that's that's a big one. Yes. That's somebody who Josh Allen really relies on. Did not play in Week 17. Uh, he's pretty much going to be doubtful for this round one of the playoffs. So I'm monitoring that Cole Beasley situation because I do believe that could make a big difference for this uh, Bills offense. All right, before we get to our guest. Uh, this is a topic I'm really excited about. Now, Urban Meyer <clears throat> connected to the NFL, not just to the Jaguars, but I think we've, we've mentioned about uh, with the Chargers. And of course, there's reports of uh, his salary being this robust thing. But I think just generally, we want to focus in on Urban Meyer in the NFL, um, boom or bust. So Marcus, I've got thoughts on this. I've covered Urban. I've covered Ohio State and, and certainly my vicinity to him. And from the college level, and goodness, you know this with all the scouting and everything else you've done is, is obviously a little bit different from yours, different perspective. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts here. It seems like there's some legitimacy to these rumors, that these aren't just flirtations that Urban is considering getting out of the, you know, the, the TV booth, getting away from that big table and getting back into coaching. So what are your thoughts here? I'm confused, Adam, because I think the thing that Urban Meyer does the best is recruit. And he'll recruit all over the country, right? But in terms of like an in-game coach, I don't see it. Like he's not an offensive genius, right? It's not like, you know, his offense is going to translate all that well to the NFL. Some of the culture stuff, like you go back and look at like some of the Florida teams and the Ohio state teams and some of the problems that they had uh, with, you know, the locker room there. And that's concerning. So you get to the NFL and you just can't recruit all the best players. He doesn't have a scheme that he can hang his hat on. So I mean, I think it's a big name. It's splashy. It, it's You can sell it to your fans as, hey, we're really trying to win now, but I'm just not convinced this is the best direction for Jacksonville to go. So not only on the recruiting front, which I think is the biggest point, and that is where his advantage as a coach has always mm-hmm. been, and recruiting and player development and strength development, right? This has been his formula. It's Nick Saban's formula. Doesn't mean he wouldn't work in the NFL, but you take away – the things that make him great, right? And that's what has made him great. It's why he was great at Ohio State. It's beyond that. You get great players, you surround himself. I, I look at this a little bit differently. If I'm the Jags, I'm looking for a long-term solution. Mm-hmm. This is not a long-term solution. Urban agonizes over coaching. Like it's, it physically, we, his health issues are well-documented, right? Like that, that's not a joke. Like he puts himself, he immerses himself so deeply in this. I really wonder, uh, the Jags are not going to be a playoff team next year, most no, likely, no, no. right? Whether he coached them or not. I think this would be really, really difficult on him to stomach. Now, that being said, the reason I think these are legitimate in covering him at Ohio State, I mean, he's mentioned like that the NFL has always been an intriguing destination. Sure. And, and this is a man, and a lot of coaches are, with an enormous ego that I think would come in and do a really um, probably a good short-term job. And I think you bring up some good points about schemes. And I just don't think like, if you're going to, if you're one of these teams, especially investing in a young quarterback, to me, I'm going after a, a coordinator, a, a youthful approach. I'm looking for a LaFleur easier said than done. Right. And that's my concern with urban is I don't think he provides that, but 
oh my goodness, that would be a story, would it not? I mean, that would be a big deal. Yeah, I think you want to find this young offensive mind that you can tie to Trevor Lawrence for the next five to 10 years, right? You're looking for the Sean McVay type of guy where, hey, it's these two guys going forward. Everything else can change, but as long as we got this head coach and our quarterback, we're set. So I actually think for like Jacksonville, the better move is to go maybe target like a Joe Brady who was the offensive coordinator yep. at Carolina, who was at LSU a couple of years ago. Go get somebody like that, an Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City, maybe a Kellen Moore at Dallas. That's a better move. And you mentioned, you know, uh, Urban Meyer agonizing on, you know, the field. We see him all the time, those shots on fourth down, you know, his hands on his knees, you know, his head is kind of, you know, drooped over. So we know how much of a physical toll this puts on, uh, him, you know, and he's, you're right. He's not a long-term solution. He might be able to make that franchise relevant in two, three, four years, but I don't envision him being there much longer than that. And this is not a college program. Like you're not asking it like Mac Brown at North Carolina. Yeah. You're, you're basically making him a caretaker and he's doing a great job. Like ignite some life into this and we'll hand it off to somebody when you're Correct. done. That's not the way right. the NFL should go. That's just not how it's going to go. So I, I think, and I don't really care about the salary. Like this is a billionaire paying this dude's salary. Matter. Right. Who, who cares? Right. Like whatever his money is, and he would he would probably demand a lot of it. And that's the going rate for Urban. And Meyer, he probably deserves it, sure. considering his track record. And he record, does, right? Oh, and 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 look, excitement, buzz, ticket sales, marketing, all that sure. stuff. If you're Jacksonville, you partner him with Trevor Lawrence. That's really football. That's sexy very buzzy for a lot yes. of people. It is, but for me. It, it seems unnecessary. And again, I, I'm completely, so we are in agreement here, right? We are in agreement that, and I don't think this would be a failure either. I guess, let me, let me t- let's tie a bone no. up this way. If they are to make this higher, this wouldn't be a bad hire, right? No, I don't think so. I just think it's not, I don't think it's necessarily the right hire, right? I think Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract coming up, you need to get this right and you need to build for the long term, not just to, to dominate the offseason stories in May, June, and July. Yeah. And I'm with you there. This isn't like, uh, this isn't a bust for me, but it's not a boom either. I'm going to walk the fence carefully. I think if you get urban, you're immediately better. The guy is a a great football coach. There's just a lot of other things attached that when will this end? What's a legitimate lifespan and what will it look like afterwards? And can you build something with the right person where you don't have to worry about handing the baton yes. off probably sooner? Yes, yeah, stay right, and that's a, stay on the uh, broadcast of Fox Urban. I love you on there, so I don't want anything to change. He's good. He's, he's, he does a really he's good excellent. job. Please stay. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he's not making nothing for doing <laughs> that either. All right, when we come back, we will talk to Cam Lynch about some playoff dark horses, some teams to watch. The Jets, wink, wink, nod, nod, and some quarterback carousel. We will talk to you guys momentarily. Very happy to welcome to the pod Cameron Lynch, Syracuse grad, former NFL linebacker, played with the Bucs. Uh, Cam, how we doing, man? All is well. Adam, how are you? Very good. Very good. So we, we've got playoffs. And of course, um, you know, b- this being a gambling-focused pod, we're always about value and where we can make money. So we want to kick things off with dark horses. So we're not talking about the chalk here. We're talking about the Bucks at plus 1,000, the Ravens plus 1,100, Seahawks plus 1,300, Steelers plus 2,200, which is crazy when you think about where that was maybe six weeks ago. The Titans plus 2,800, the Rams plus 3,300, the Colts. Uh, plus 4,000, the Browns, plus 5,000, all the things they've got going on. The Washington football team, plus 10,000, and the Bears the same way. So that is a buffet of teams, Cam. When you look at that, who do you think has a chance out of that group to maybe make a run? 
out of that buffet of teams, there's only one king, right? And there's only one person that you know not to bet against when you play football, and that is Tom Brady. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you know, to be honest, seeing him come back against the Falcons, that it, it, I, was, I was reminiscent, right? I was reminiscent, showing that he could do it at the Patriots and at the Buccaneers. He's going to cause some problems in the playoffs. And Adam, for me, it's the Steelers, who I've kind of been on all season long. Even during this three-game slump <laughs> that they were on in you know December, I'm looking at the bracket, right? And it looks like it plays out pretty well for them. They get Cleveland this week who's dealing with a bunch of COVID stuff. No Kevin Stefanski, no Joel Patino. Uh, they've got a bunch of other guys that are going to be out this week. If they win this one, uh, we'll see what happens between Buffalo and Indianapolis because I'm not convinced the Bills win this week. If they can beat the Browns, maybe they'll play the Colts in round two, and all of a sudden uh, we get the Steelers getting on a little bit of a roll. So at 22-1, to 1, I really, really like the Steelers. All right. Am, am I crazy? I want to throw a team out to both of you. And, it, you know, they just won on like a doink and that wasn't great. Uh, but the Titans at plus 2,800, we'll talk about in the picks, but you've got, you know, last year, right? The Derrick Henry formula. I mean, that was there. So Cam, as you look at trying to duplicate success uh, from a year ago with riding Derrick Henry, what, what kind of chances, if I'm rolling with the Titans, what kind of chances are you giving me? The, the Titans are a great pick unless there's snow. <laughs> if there's snow, they're in trouble. They pay, They play the Packers, and those guys had a lot of trouble. So as long as they stay out of that cold, the cold weather, they'll be just fine. My only problem with the Titans is that pass defense is so bad. And it might not get exposed this week against the Ravens. It actually lines up pretty well for them this week. But if they get into round two and they're playing the Chiefs, and it's pretty much likely who they would play in the second round of the playoffs. It's just a terrible matchup for them. And then if we get further on and they're playing Pittsburgh or they play the Packers in the Super Bowl, I, I just don't think that pass defense is good enough to get them to the Super Bowl and win it. I do think they could advance a round or two if things work out well for them. Okay, so we've, we've hit on dark horse teams. By the way, I really feel for the Browns. Oh, it's so, Browns, so rough. I mean, so – it, it like and, and this is it. maybe before we move to our non-playoff group like the Browns haven't made this thing in almost two decades it's an amazing story and yet here they are uh they've got a COVID outbreak Stefanski not going to be there hits their offensive line you know Cam like what what do you do here if you're Cleveland other than you've got a rematch that you almost lost but you won and so what kind of chances do you give the Browns considering what the last few weeks have looked like for them Browns have beat the slump, right? They made it to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. They're riding pretty high, I believe. The Browns fans are unbelievable. So go ahead and give them a chance. I think they have a high chance here to, to make a run for things. I mean, Baker Mayfield, first-round draft pick. I mean, we've been waiting. It's time for Baker Mayfield to show up. you got a great uh, running back in the backfield. you got two of them. So uh, you can pass the ball. You can run the ball. Not too bad. Marcus, I know you're you're the Baker guy. Like, whoa, whoa, I feel like this I'm the Baker guy. I didn't know that. Well, we are we are a Baker <laughs> podcast. This is a Baker friendly podcast. Uh, excuse yeah, me, yeah, I won't go, go as okay. hard in. It's a little different. We're we're morphing our fandom from Philip Rivers to Baker. But we we talked a few weeks ago about um, you know maybe not getting the appropriate love, and like this is uh, kind of a maybe an unfair legacy game, I guess, coming into this. Would you say that's appropriate? Do we remember what happened in week 16, Adam? This team couldn't beat the Jets. I know they were without a couple of receivers. I just think, listen, this is the one team in the playoff that has a negative point differential. Like they just, they, they don't beat good teams. They don't blow out bad teams. 
And now you're playing in Pittsburgh against a team that has a ton of playoff experience against a future Hall of Famer in Ben Roethlisberger, uh, one of the best coaches in the league in Mike Tomlin, and you have to do it shorthanded. Uh, I, I'm completely out on Cleveland this week. It's a great story. I'm glad they made it to the playoffs, but uh, this team's not ready for what's about to happen here on Sunday night. I think you've tipped your hand to the pick segment coming up. <laughs> just saying. Um, and you managed to rip on the Jets. All in one. Congrats. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So speaking of the Jets, maybe. So we've got now, you've got playoff teams that are getting ready uh, for this really, you know, odd playoff that's going to be a, a ton of fun to watch here, especially this weekend. Then you've got a whole litany of teams that are looking for coaches and GMs and are trying to build their future. So, uh, you know, Cam, when we look at this, and I'm very interested to see which way you go when we talk about the non-playoff teams that have the brightest future, right? Are you buying in to a, 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 a team that is on the bottom now that maybe has a ton of draft equity? Are you looking at a team maybe like the 49ers or somebody in that, that mix that had a ton of injuries this year and didn't have a lot of things go right? So what is a team or teams maybe that you look at that, yeah, 2020, not so good, but next year with the things that they can put together, uh, we might see a big difference. Well, I'm looking at them at the Miami Dolphins, to be honest. I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins. you got Brian Flores coming from the Patriots, right? Had a down year the year beforehand, right? 5-11, and 11, now going to 10-6. and six. Uh, They have Tua. They got Ryan Fitzmagic. Come on, man. I, I played with Ryan at the Buccaneers. We've seen the magic. We've seen the no luck this year, um, you know, with, with his game. So I'm going with Miami. I, I like the way they're headed. They have a great defense, right? Xavier Howard, 10-plus picks. Like, come on, stop throwing to the man. So I think uh, Miami has a great chance coming up. We know that the NFL is a quarterback-driven league. And if you have a top five, top ten quarterback, you always have a chance. And that's why I still like the Dallas Cowboys. I know Mike McCarthy's oh, first, first year was rough. But just listen to me. It was rough. Oh. But we saw what Kellen Moore can do in the second half of the season. This was the top 15 offense despite missing Dak Prescott, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins. Uh, once they get all those guys back, I think they're going to be really good. And here's the thing. I think they have by far the best quarterback in the division. You're going into next year with the Giants having Daniel Jones, the Eagles having maybe Jalen Hurts, and who knows what the Washington football team is going to do at quarterback. So when you're a distant first at quarterback, I like your chances of bouncing back. So I think the Cowboys are a 10-11 win team next season. I will say that offensive Dak is healthy could be super mm -hmm. fun. Like super, super fun. And if you get those wideouts going and you figure out what you're going to do at running back and, and the all line gets a little younger. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna go with the Jags. I, I think, you know, James Robinson. LaVisca Chenault, like you've got some awesome pieces and I've come to terms with the fact that the Jets are not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I've accepted it as a Jets fan. We're, we're moving on and yet they are getting a guy that if they can protect him, it's going to be incredible. Then you look at, I mean, it's not just Trevor. You've got major draft equity, right? You've got draft equity in the first round. You got, I mean, all across the board and then you've got more money or the top or near the top in terms of free agency, uh, in terms of what you can do to spend. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be immediate. I think Trevor's going to struggle like we'd expect most rookies to be, and he'll come in. But I think the Jags, truly, you, you've got this once-in-a-decade type talent, and I think Trevor can be that way. And, and Cam, I'll ask you, you know, your thoughts on the Jags. Obviously, the expectations on Lawrence are going to be enormous but there's some pieces in there, at least they were so bad toward the end of the season. And yet there's, I think there's legitimate reason with uh, to have some hope with them. 
Yeah, Doug Marone was my head coach at Syracuse for two years. So I've been around Dougie Fresh for a long time. Uh, he's not a big players coach, right? But that man knows how to win, right? The Jags were in the playoffs a few years back. They did a great job there. So I agree with you. The Jags are looking good. Trevor Lawrence is going to enjoy that no-state tax. So he's going to be a little more stress-free uh, as he's out there in Jacksonville. So thumbs up to the Jags. What do you think, Marcus? I know you're not going to say Jets. So what about those Jags? I, I don't know. That defense just feels like it's so far away. It's almost expansion level team on that side of the ball. So they've got a lot of work to do. They've got to nail this head coach hiring. Uh, I, I really don't know who it's going to be. Uh, I still think they're a probably two or three years away from competing, but we've seen in the past, you get a really strong quarterback, uh, a rookie quarterback, all of a sudden uh, the expectations can change. Look at what Justin Herbert did with the Chargers this year. They were in just about every single game. I think everybody agrees that Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect. Uh, if he can have a Justin Herbert-like impact on the Jaguars this year, why couldn't they get to seven and nine wins? I don't think that's I don't think that's unrealistic. Uh, just wait to see what Zach Wilson does with the Jets, too. Another first-round pick, cornerstone left go. tackle. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just into it. In. I of course it's gonna be months of that. All right. Last uh can we talk about the QB carousel? I think it's a fascinating year for um, veterans or guys that are kind of semi-veterans that are going to be probably on the move, most of them. And the first one I think that's most interesting is Carson Wentz. Now, Jalen Hurts, so much talk about the tanking, did not play particularly great in the finale, gets pulled. Uh, Nate Sudbell, he is not the guy. I think we all feel confident in saying that. But you've got this enormous contract with Carson Wentz. What What's a realistic option for him and where do you think he might be a natural fit uh, we've talked about it a little bit on this pod and, and do you think it's realistic that they can move him I think so and for me Carson Wentz I was there when he got hurt against the Rams I believe in 2018 I, I was there for that game I was on the sideline for that game and so watching him before he got hurt we were like wow this guy's unbelievable and right for the Rams, they picked Jared Goff over Carson Wentz. So we're like, oh, man, do we, do we make the right choice here? And, of course, Jared Goff ended up going to the Super Bowl doing his thing. But Carson Wentz is a great athlete. And I can see possibly, depending on what happens with Drew Brees, right? Got to take some hill. You got Jameis, who's on a one-year contract. Ooh. That could be a nice little fit for Carson Wentz. Um, that, that's what I'm predicting, or possibly the Lions, right, depending on what happens with staff, Stafford. But that's what I'm thinking. Maybe the Saints, it could be a good move for Carson Wentz and the Saints. Interesting. Marcus, what yeah, about you? So we talked about the Colts a lot. That just seems like the natural fit. Everybody pairing him back with Frank Wright. Maybe that happens. But I'll give you two other ones. What about the Washington football team? I don't think Alex Smith is a long-term answer. Uh, could Philadelphia potentially trade him inside the division? Probably not, but if they decide to move on from him and Washington gives a second or third round pick, might be awfully hard to turn that down. Uh, the, another one is the Denver Broncos. I don't think Drew Locke is the answer. Uh, it seems like Carson Wentz fits the mold of quarterback John Elway typically likes, right? These big, tall, athletic guys. Uh, maybe you bring him in, you compete with Drew Locke, and you have two mediocre quarterbacks uh, in uh, you know in that franchise, yeah, I think that I think that's a natural fit. Also, would love to have the Bill Belichick ego yeah, factor and just say, "Give me, give me him. I'll fix him. Don't you worry about it." And I guess that's a natural transition to our next one, Jimmy G. Uh, Jim uh, Garoppolo. Look, at times has been brilliant, and yet over the past 15, 18 months, I think it's it just hasn't gone in a way. Injuries have factored, of course, that we thought it might. 
there's a natural fit here, right? Potentially to go back to New England. So Cam, when it comes to Jimmy G, you know, to me, it's like, I don't think that this is a guy that's going to go into a position that is going to be the guy. I think if you're going to bring him in, he's probably going to compete for this role, maybe with a young quarterback, who knows? So where do you think Jimmy G could land? Like you said, you're right on Adam with the Pats. I mean, he was there before. He was comfortable there. He found success there, right? Of course, Cam Newton wasn't the answer to follow up Tom Brady. And when Tom Brady got hurt, when Jimmy G was there, he was the saving grace, right? That's why he got paid so much money to go to San Fran. People believed in him. They saw a lot in that young man. So um, I was someone who went from the Buccaneers, from the Rams to the Buccaneers, back to the Rams, and then back to the Bucks, right? Finish at the Bucks. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised if they wanted Jimmy G back to push that organization back to where they, they came from. Yeah, that's a pretty natural landing spot there. But how about one that's a little bit off the wall? How about the New York Giants? We know Joe Judge, a former New England guy. Maybe they bring in Garoppolo to compete with Daniel Jones because I don't know about either of you two, but I don't think Daniel Jones has shown enough in the first two years of his career where they can't bring somebody in to compete with him, right? I think Garoppolo is experienced. Uh, you put him in that offense, and I think he can at least manage the game fairly well. With how good that Giants defense is, if Garoppolo can be the 16th best quarterback in the NFL, maybe they win the division next year. So bringing in, in a guy like Garoppolo, who's probably going to be fairly cheap, along with a guy on his rookie contract in Daniel Jones, not a bad situation. I think his potential teams is enormous. Yeah. I think there's a huge net of, of 20 plus teams. If you're the Dolphins and you're going to commit to Tua, do you want to bring in a security blanket, right? If Ryan, you know what I mean? Depending on what happens there. Um, if you're maybe the Jets or somebody else that want, uh, are going to draft a quarterback and need a real legitimate backup to maybe uh, play before a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields is ready. Like to me, there are suitors, but I think in what role Jimmy G is, is interesting. And the last guy... This is the most fascinating of all, Matt, Matthew Stafford. Um, I will say this. I would love to see him land on a really good team and get a crack, a legitimate crack at this thing. So, Cam, as you look at Stafford, I guess the question is, you know, what what is his value right now? And where do you think a, a reasonable spot to land? Because when I think of him, I'm like, okay, here's where I'd like him to go because I'd love to see him get a shot at this. Where do you think he ultimately could go? My thing is hopefully he can stay. Right. Hopefully he can stay at the Lions. Right. Because when I think of the Lions, I think of Matthew Stafford. Right. And Megatron, of course, uh, I had a chance to play against those guys. And I'm like, oh, that's a great matchup. But I don't really see uh, him him moving possibly. But it also depends on the head coach. Right. They fire Matt Patricia. So whoever comes in is going to have to be someone who can fit his mold. But I, I would like him to stay there if they find a coach that can fit him. Yeah, I think the Lions are probably the best fit for Matthew Stafford, but I would love to see him in Indianapolis, right? Put him behind that offensive line with a great running game and a really good defense. And all of a sudden, now that's a Colts team that can really compete. You know, both Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett, their contract our contracts are set to expire at the end of this year. I think Stafford's a pretty big upgrade over both of those guys. You put him in a dome, and I think all of a sudden that's a top three or four team in the NFL. I think I think this will be fascinating, right? If Big Ben retires, could he be a fit for the Steelers? That would be a great situation for him, right? Sam Fran, where they're looking for a quarterback. So I think you've got a lot of a lot of franchises that have to figure out where they are. Do you rebuild? Do you start over? Or you think you have a good enough roster and pieces around him to bring a guy like this in? Um, I think it'll be a really interesting one to see. Uh, Cam, we really appreciate you joining us. Again, Cam Lynch, uh, former 
NFL linebacker, Syracuse grad. Uh, looking forward to connecting with you further, man. Adam and Marcus, I appreciate you both. Much love, guys. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate you. Appreciate Cam stopping by to talk some playoff teams and potentially future playoff teams. But Marcus, it is time. It is picks time. And this year has been weird, um, but it delivers us extra playoff games. This is already like one of my favorite weekends of the year. So before we dive into the picks for these six games, like this is like two days of awesomeness, is it not? That has nothing to do with winning money or not. I just am excited about it. Yeah, we got games on Saturday and Sunday starting at oh. 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's just fantastic. It's just two great days of football. But, Adam, I, I've got some sad news to report. I kind of don't like this slate of games. Like, There's only two games that I'm like circling that I have to watch every single second of. The other four are like, eh, if I need to go out and grab some chips or some pretzels or a drink, I, I'm not. I'm not that worried about it. If I miss a, a well, minute, that of this is the game. beauty of what we are talking about and what we do, Mark, is because we can turn all of these games very interesting by by partaking yes. in the festivities. But I'm with you. Yes. And there's a couple that we are uh, pumped about, and let's just start it because I know I know you're excited about this one. Now, of course, I'm very excited about this one for our uh, our friend of the show, Philip Rivers. Colts versus Bills. Bills <laughs> minus six and a half over under fifty one. We were talking in the pre show about weather. If you're talking Buffalo, you have to talk weather. It looks like it's going to be about 30 degrees. It seems actually very reasonable for Buffalo in January. So um, Indy 11 and five, eight and eight against the spread. Bills 13 and three, 11 and five against the spread. Uh, Marcus, Bill, Bills have covered like eight games in a row. I mean, they, they have been on fire. Indy not so much the last three. Where do you begin here? Because I know you love your you some Philip Rivers, and this is a huge spot <laughs> for him in in a really kind of career defining moment in, in we're probably going to pick two different paths here, depending how this game goes for him. Yeah. So this is a team in the Colts that I've picked against all year long. I just didn't believe in them. And then when they fell apart against the Steelers in the second half, I kind of wrote them off. I'm like, Hey, I'm never betting on Phil rivers and the Colts again, but man, this one's just so juicy. And I really think I'm taking uh, Indianapolis wow. plus six and a half points because of the playoff experience, right? Frank Wright is really, really good in playoff games, uh, not only as a coach, but also as a former Buffalo Bill, right? So having a little bit of revenge in that stadium. And I actually think if the weather's cold and it's a sloppy game, that benefits Indianapolis because that running game with Jonathan Taylor has been fantastic over the last two weeks. Uh, Braden Smith, the right tackle, will be back. Bills have been a little bit weak against the run this year, so I still expect the Bills to win, but I think the smart play is take the Colts uh, plus six and a half, and I actually like the under here as well. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those games where the first quarter, there's a lot of nerves. Uh, it might be sloppy. It might be a 3 nothing game with the scoring picks up a little bit in the second half, but I do like the Colts to keep this within a field goal I am or so. so proud of you. I'm so proud of you finally jumping on the bandwagon. Um, but I'm jumping off, uh, or or no, no, no I shouldn't say can't. jumping off. But I'm temporarily uh, putting on my conductor, taking off my conductor hat, and I like the Bills. Now you mentioned something, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a beast, and 250 rushing yards last week has been really good since December. That's the only thing that gives me kind of cause for pause. I just think this Bills team right now, and this is not my style. You know, I'm a little bit more of a contrarian player, and I feel like this is going to be a very packed bandwagon i just love the way they've played i love the way 
As you should. They played and, really and, well. And I just think Indy, you know, it wasn't great <laughs> last week either for them. And I'm not going to take a lot from a game that, that no one probably cared about, including them, even with the stakes, right? It was just, we know what we're getting out of that Jags game. Um, I'm going to go with the Bills. I, the total I've, I've battled back and forth with, I kind of side with you on the under a little bit. I do think you're going to have kind of a feeling out process. This could be a very run heavy game. I wouldn't surprise me to see Josh Allen run actually quite a bit in this to get them going. So this is a, a clock burning game most likely, but I'll go the bills. We'll go our separate ways. And I would imagine we'll have plenty of opportunities to get our big parlay uh, in order. We want, we want a big parlay or a medium sized parlay, whatever we can muster. So maybe we'll find one here. Rams. Yeah. Well, I was going to say really quickly on that game. It seems like every wild card weekend we have one team that gets upset that's a six and a half, seven point, you know, favorite and they mm-hmm. lose. Of all these teams, it seems like the Colts are the, the most live underdog we have just because we know that defense is good and we know the running game with Jonathan Taylor, who finished the year third crazy, in rushing yards. It, it just would not be that surprising if they're able to, to really slow down this game. And it gets weird in the last couple of minutes. Would, so that's the only thing I won't who mention. Thunk it, an elite college back who, if he can eliminate fumbles, is going to be one of the best running backs in the NFL. Yeah. Shocker. I mean, that was Shocker. an awesome pick. They had a good draft. Uh, okay. This is a fascinating game. So there's some familiarity. Rams versus Seahawks. Seahawks minus four over under 42 and a half. This is the afternoon game on Saturday. Rams 10 and six, nine and seven against the spread. Seattle 12 and four, seven, eight and one against the spread. Uh, Seattle at home this year, Marcus, is still five, two and one against the spread, which to me is interesting because we've talked about whether home field really mm-hmm. still exists or not. And then the pre- previous two games, Seattle won 20 to nine, and then the Rams won 23 to 16. And I'll ask you, like, is that the kind of game that we're going to get? Because it feels like it when you look at a total of 42 and a half, you look at the way these offenses have just been kind of grinding. You've got Jared Goff intrigue mm-hmm. here. So where do you begin? First of all, that total has dropped over the week. It started out at 44 at some places. I saw it at 43 a couple of days ago. Now it's down to 42 and a half. So I think a lot of people are anticipating this being a, you know, the defensive struggle. And I, I get it. You know, the Rams offense really scored 11 points last week. Uh, when you take away what the defense did, uh, you know, getting a safety and some turnovers. So I don't think they're going to score more than 14 points on offense. And this Seattle offense, I don't know what happened from earlier on Crazy. in the season where they were just lighting up the scoreboard. But despite having Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they've suddenly turned into like one of the most boring offenses in the NFL to watch. So I like the under. I probably like the Seahawks to cover the spread. I, I know it feels so chalky, but I'm not betting against John Wolford here in this game in Seattle. There's just no way that, that yeah, I that can uncertainty throws a wrinkle, and I'm not sure if it – I think the one thing I, I feel good about is the under as well. So there we go. There's a parlay mix. Um, Perfect. But it, it, I, you bring up a point that I've thought about, and that's the Seattle offense. And Russ has looked a little broken at times, and I don't know exactly what happened. Um, when they've run Chris Carson, he's run pretty well when he's been healthy. It's just mm-hmm. something has not worked. And looking back at these two games, I just feel like you're going to get something very, very similar. And then the uncertainty of golf, even if he plays, right? What what are you getting? It's a quick comeback on an injury that's probably okay. going to hinder him yeah. plenty. Um, so 
this just feels like a, it feels like a 20 to 13 type it does. of game that's really sloppy and not no, like I'm with you. I think the total speaks volumes. And I think this total, you mentioned three nothing as a possible score in the Bills game. I, I feel that exact way about this one. I think it's going to move fast. I think you'll see both teams running it. And I think it will be not so easy on the eyes. Just being honest, you talked about the slate. I think this one has a chance to be one of the ugliest. Um, this mm-hmm. one, I don't know. That's a that's a little bit of a teaser. Bucks minus eight versus the Washington football team over under of 45. Tampa 11 and 5, 8, 7, and 1 against the spread. Washington 7 and 9, 8, 7, 1 against the spread. Chase Young says he wants him some Tom Brady. Uh, uh, Tom Brady, to be quite honest, probably doesn't want any of that, uh, but Tom's done no. okay for himself. So uh, Washington has hit the under in the last five games. Tampa Bay has scored 90 points plus, uh, 90 plus points in the last two. So something feels like it may give here. What, what say you? Yeah, one of the rules that I have for myself when I'm betting on these wildcard games is don't pick an underdog you don't believe can win the game, right? And I just don't see any path where Washington, even as a eight-and-a-half-point underdog, will be able to win this game. Their offense just isn't good enough. We saw Ron Rivera this week talk about potentially rotating in quarterbacks. Uh, if you have to rotate in Taylor Heineke, you have no chance of winning this game. So I like Tampa Bay pretty easily in this game. I could see this being a 31-7 to type of game where Washington's just not able to do enough. The moment's too big for them. They almost lost to the tanking Eagles last week. You know, they tried to give that game away so many different times. This Washington team, it's a great story. It's awesome that Ron Rivera is in the playoffs and that Alex Smith is going to be starting. They're not ready for the buzzsaw that's going to be coming up for them on Saturday. I'm glad you brought that up against the Eagles because that was amazing. In In the brief moments after Sudfeld came in, I mean, Washington tried to give that ball back. Like they I mean, tried was, so hard. It was so I'm going to go under again. You mentioned 31 to seven. That feels that would be good. I'd be good with that. I, you know, the total yeah. feels a little bit high to me. I don't know where Washington is going to manufacture that offense. This is a Tampa defense that has been uh, good at times, not great in others, but still can get after quarterbacks and still can do some really good things. I'd probably lean towards the Bucks as well. Um, two unders in a row feels a little gross. That's not normally my style uh, coming from the college roots and rooting for points, but still I, I'm kind of with you. This just feels like the end of the road of a good story. And I think that Tampa Bay can sit on this football, score enough points, not get Tom Brady clobbered, by the way. I think if you're Tampa, that is something you got to worry about. The pass rush is real. It's legitimate. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to see what they do play calling wise, but I'll take the under and they'll figure that thing out. And um yeah, we'll we'll see. This would be a this you mentioned that six, seven, eight point upset. I'm I'm with you. This would be a, a pretty shocking one of the bunch as we discuss these games. Um, so uh, now from a an eight point spread to, to in my opinion, I, I'll speak for you. I think it's it, I'd be surprised if you had a game that you were more excited about uh, getting to the Sunday slate. Ravens uh, minus three versus the Titans over under fifty five and a half. This is a doozy. Baltimore 11 and 5, 10 mm. 5 and 1 against the spread. That was a little surprising, Marcus, when I was looking it up. Like, wow, that's right. It wasn't long ago we yeah. were wondering what the future of this team was. Didn't been pretty good for backers. And then the Titans 11 and 5, 7 and 9 against the spread. Baltimore on the road, 5 2 and 1 
against the spread. The problem I have, Marcus, that those numbers feel a little jaded, and this is something I want to I want to kick to you. Last five games, you got the Bengals, you got the Giants, you've got the Jags, you've got the Browns, you've got the Cowboys. So, how much of Baltimore's recent success is a product of that? And do you think, uh, I guess, just what other elements of this game do you think will dictate it? Yeah, I think Baltimore is a little bit of a fraud. We really haven't seen them play or beat any good teams. When they played the Titans this year, they lost. They lost to the Patriots. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Steelers twice. I think they're a good team. They're not a great team. And I actually feel the same about Tennessee. We really (laughs) haven't seen Tennessee beat very many good teams uh, as well. So that's why in this game, if I'm getting points for a home dog in Tennessee, uh, I'll take it. I think this is a game in which Tennessee can expose their defense to the air a little bit. We saw it in the playoffs last year. Derrick Henry should be able to run yep. the ball. Um, but I think this is just a great 1 o'clock game, right? We typically get these bangers on Sunday afternoon, this first game, so physical and aggressive. I love it. This is the game that I'm most excited to see. I, I'm week. totally with you. I think people will be on the Ravens, uh, assuming everything is fixed. We had, uh, obviously, the doink situation, which was not particularly great optics for the Titans, and yet I'm back on the Titans. This is uh, high school offense. Go, go give the ball to Derrick Henry 45 times and see what he can do. And It, it, it also doesn't hurt that I think Tennessee might have the yeah, better quarterback in this I, game. I would agree. Right? I, I would agree. Now, granted, you know, Tannehill last year didn't have to do much of anything other than hand the ball off, but I think he'll do enough. I think Tennessee, um, you're right, I struggle with this because throughout this year we've talked about both these teams as being, you know, quote-unquote potentially fraudulent. Um, so I still, I still dabble with that, and yet I think the Titans have – pretty good value here. I wouldn't look too much into the doink situation. Uh, Deshaun Watson did some pretty magical things in that game. I know the Texans aren't very good, but Deshaun had some throws, man. I mean, that I'll, I'll tip my hat to him. And I think the Titans uh, cover this number. And what do we think about the money line? Are we, are we riding that? Are we riding Titans, Titans money line? It's great value. And I have no problem at all with anybody taking the money line. It's just the three and a half points is, is a lot, right? So I'm taking, or three points, I'm taking the Titans here just in case you get one of those weird games that comes down to a last second field goal. Adam, the last yeah. thing I want to say really quickly, the Titans biggest weakness is they are a man to man defense uh, that can be exposed to the air. That's not really Baltimore's no. game, right? So the Titans biggest weakness probably won't hurt them that much in this game. Everywhere else, they line up really good against the Ravens. So I just think this is a game where Tennessee is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage and beat the Ravens. I, at I can't wait. I love playoff Derrick Henry. Um, by the way, I just I just enjoy that yeah. catalog is fun, and it still blows me away, Marcus, how he's outrunning people in the open field. It, it is. Great. I'll take Derrick Henry yeah. anytime. No, year, that's true. It's November, December, January. It's anytime. Tackling it's a lot him of fun. this season, though, just seems like it would be a bad, bad uh, business mm-hmm. decision. All right. Um, <laughs> speaking of potentially bad business decisions, I may make one here. Uh, Bears versus Saints. Saints minus 10, over under 47. God bless the Bears. Eight and eight, eight and eight against the spread. How beautiful is that? I mean, that's that's just majestic. Uh, not not great, but just interesting to see. Saints 12 yeah. and four, yeah. nine and seven against the spread. So the Bears have shown some flashes. They even did that against Green Bay, I thought, Marcus, and then the whole thing toppled over. I, I want to take them here. In fact, I'm going to take them here. I'm not going to let you uh, – I've got to take a stand at some point. I like the 10. Um, I, I may get mitched in this game. I may get Trubisky'd, uh, and that's always a concern with the Bears, but am I crazy for doing so? No, because I like the Bears as well. It's it's crazy. I mean, I don't trust Drew Brees right now at all, and especially if Alvin Kamara doesn't play in this game 
uh, after he tested yeah. positive for COVID. Uh, that offense is very one-dimensional, and Chicago has a really good defense. Uh, they have some corners that can help slow down Michael Thomas. And let's not forget, this Saints team has been pretty disappointing in the playoffs over the last couple of years, right? They just haven't been good in this wild card round. So uh, we've seen a team like Minnesota have a lot of success. And I think this Chicago team is very similar to that style where they can get pressure from the front four, drop seven in coverage, and hey, Drew Brees, beat us down the field. Please try to throw the ball down the field on us. Uh, I don't think he's going to have a ton of success. I do envision the Saints winning this game. But it feels like a you know a game that comes down to the final possession. Um, okay, so it sucks. It's it sucks to bet on Mitch Trubisky, Adam. It sucks, but I'm all doing right, it. So, what is the money line in this game? Do we do we um, if a little birdie could pass along money line? Because your <laughs> your opinion has made me uh, think about this even further. Uh, to think, I'm I'm curious what it is. I think it's a it's rare that you feel okay getting ten. And again, that could go up in flames when Mitch does Mitch things. Uh, in <laughs> like relatively short order, but I, I do think there's value plus three fifty. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna put me down for the for the ten, but but at plus three fifty, I'm gonna take a stab. That's an off the books pick. Yeah, if you for, for the record, if you want to do like a fun money line parlay of like Tampa Bay and maybe Pittsburgh, who we're gonna talk about a little bit on top of. Uh, of Chicago, though that's that's a lot of fun. That's a good way to really increase those odds. So not a bad, okay. not a bad bet. I'm not putting a ton on it, but a couple bucks here okay, and there. I good. like. All right, and the last one, Browns versus Steelers. Now I think I have an idea where you're leaning here. Steelers minus six over under 47 and a half. That might be a little higher than I thought it would be. Sunday night, Cleveland 11 and five, six and 10 against the spread. Pittsburgh 12 and four, 10 and six against the spread. Look, Marcus, this starts with COVID issues, the head coach, the O line. Mm -hmm. uh, Cleveland won its last game barely. But I just wonder, these last few weeks have been brutal. Um, and like, you know, who knows? By the time somebody listens to this, if there'll be more tests positive, right? Like, we just don't know. So, what has the toll mm -hmm. been like the last few weeks, you think? Because I think it's huge. And how does that impact the way you're going to go into this game? We saw this game earlier in the season when both teams were fairly healthy and Pittsburgh just boat raced them, right? I mean, it wasn't even close. That game was over in the first 10 minutes after uh, Baker Mayfield threw an interception uh, to, to Minka Fitzpatrick. And that's when Odell Beckham was playing and they were way more explosive on offense. You give Pittsburgh really a week off a lot of their starters. Now no Kevin Stefanski, who is the play caller. No Bill Callahan, who is the offensive line coach. You're missing key guys on both sides of the ball. I'm shocked that this line isn't like 10 or 11. And even then, I would still pick Pittsburgh. So sitting at minus six, I'm loving that. I'll take Steelers minus six all I day long. I think this team's just leaking oil. Cleveland, that is. And, and look, Pittsburgh was yeah. for a while. Yeah. But it's interesting. They may have kind of resurrected it just in time. This is, a, a th this is about momentum. And the Steelers, at least there, Ben, a little time off, I think is hugely valuable for them, obviously. Um, I'm with you, man. I, I, and it, it's unfortunate, frankly, because I would like to see what a healthy team where the facility is open and all of these things would like in a fair shot here. And I, I probably might like Pittsburgh anyway, but I think the line would be different. Um, I, I just think this is too much for the Browns to overcome. It feels like they're still a year away from really being a contender in the AFC. I mean, if they're fully healthy – and they get you know somebody back like an Odell Beckham and their you know Grant Delpit yeah. and Greedy Williams maybe next year and Olivier Vernon who got hurt last week that's that a big loss yeah. as well 
if they're 100% healthy, okay, I could see that. But with the current roster, without those, some of their coaches, with really not being able to practice over the last three weeks, I just you don't lose see a key it. coach uh, at this point in the season. Ask Clemson, who lost his OC, right? And I know it's different for every team, but that had a huge impact. That's a massive Absolutely. loss. I'm, I'm, I mean, it really is. And it's and it's just a shame. It's it's a stink bitten. Well, Browns fans know this. I, that word has probably been used a few million times uh, over the last 17 years. But they're in, and at least they have a chance. All right. So our not-so-big, big parlay, Rams, Seahawks, under, and these are games – um, that we we like uh, collectively. So this is big-ish. Rams, Seahawks under. Mm-hmm. We like Tennessee with the points. We like Chicago with the points. And we like Pittsburgh to cover $25 to win $314. Um, I like this. I, we say that every week. That's kind of the, the, the company line that, of course, we like this. These are our picks. I think this is the one, Marcus. And you, you express your confidence in this weekend's games. I like your confidence. I think we got a chance here. I like this one a lot. I'm just going to give you another one of my favorite Ooh. picks for the weekend. If you're into teasers, and I, I really like teasers, especially in the wild card round, a seven point tease on, uh, you know, Buffalo. Let's tease that down to where all Buffalo has to do is win. You take Tampa Bay down to one and a half, and then Pittsburgh down to even. I really like that. That seems like that's a lot of fun, and I can certainly see that hitting. So that's going to come out about even odds, maybe closer to minus 110 or around there. But that's the seven-point teaser that I with, love. This with week. some of the six, seven, eight-point lines, there's some fascinating teaser possibilities across mm-hmm. the board, I think, um, with a couple of games with some bigger spreads. Um, all right, so there it is. Any uh, resounding takeaways? We don't love the slate, but we, we're invested, and we feel pretty good about things. What are you, what are you most excited about this week? And other than – you know, Tennessee, Tennessee, Baltimore, what are you excited about? You know, playoffs are here, man. Yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I do think there's going to be one game that really surprises us and maybe it's Chicago, maybe it's Cleveland. I highly doubt it, but there'll be <laughs> one game that it completely shocks us. I think things are setting up really nice for a super fun divisional round. Yeah. Like we could get Adam, we could get Steelers, Bills, and Chiefs, Titans. That would be a lot of fun. And the NFC, we could get you know some really good matchup with the you know the Packers and the Seahawks or the something. I mean, it's going to be crazy. So I'm really looking forward to next week because I think those games are going to be. Phenomenal. And I, I, I'm just thrilled about the 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 way this season stacks up. You're talking about like 20 hours of playoff games, um, which is fun. Mm-hmm. This is a weekend to dig in to enjoy. Whether you're pumped about each individual game or not, you're talking. All day, every day for two days. It's an elite it football an elite, weekend, right? It feels it, like bowl season yeah. for me. Of course, I got to tie yeah. it back to college. So a reminder, guys, uh, jump in on the debates. I'm actually really interested to hear what people think about Urban Meyer and what Jags fans think about Urban Meyer because we made our thoughts uh, pretty clear. Um, not terrible, not great. We'll go check it out. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, Marcus, what else do you have going on here video-wise? Yeah, we've got a really interesting segment that we did, uh, the top five wide receivers of all time. I think you can get one through three. That's not too hard. But the real debate comes at four and five and, you know, down the list. So make sure you guys are checking that out on the game. Yeah, lots of stuff. Uh, Ooh, I'm I'm kind of excited. I'm not going to start guessing. I want people to sprint to it. But still, uh, people will be mad because they're always mad at all-time lists. That's why they're making... Yeah, we got some Lions fans that are upset. I'll just say that. Perfect little tease there. Uh, A reminder, guys, check out gameday.com. See what offers our affiliates have before you go to the window, especially a weekend like this. uh, You want to shop 
around. We appreciate Cam Lynch joining us. Uh, Marcus, always appreciate you. And uh, happy playoffs, everybody. And we will talk to you next week.